All right, back with another question. This is one from a, a few weeks ago now um, that we're finally going to be able to get yep. an answer to. Uh, the question, and Chet and I are going to come at this from different multiple angles, different angles, yeah. right? Like Chet's nutrition coaching, um, my remote coaching, and then both of our um, CrossFit yeah. coaching. So we got got a bunch of different angles. But the question is, um, is it difficult to program for a diverse group? Question one. And then two, how does the coach feel when there's a negative pushback? Mm, start with the difficulty, I guess. Go in the right order. Um, is, it, is it difficult? No. <laughs> um, it makes it fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's challenging in the sense that I think both Chet and I both agree that an individualized program is better than a, a program for a group. Um, because the, the client or the athlete or the participant themselves gets a higher value from that because it is 100% individualized to them. So for me, from a programming standpoint, I have their individual assessment results. I have their individual goals, setting up the priorities for their training, their schedule, um, their injuries, their training age, their biological age. I have so many different factors for that yeah. one person that I can really dial it in and make it exactly theirs. The difficult thing with the diverse group, so for example, programming for group class at Westland and CrossFit, what I have to do with the assessment results, also, if you're an athlete and you haven't had any testing being done on you, whether it's through your gym or th- like, find somewhere else because that person is guessing at your program or they're using somebody else's stuff and applying it to their group yeah. as if it's going to fit their group, which it, that's just, it's, it doesn't work. So this assessment for a group, what I can do with that. So usually at West London, it's a, a two week assessment phase of very various tests with uh, all uh, domains of fitness involved in energy system training and strength and gymnastics, the whole, the whole shebang. But what I can do with that information is I can, I can look at the group as a whole and create avatars based on that group. Um, so I can, I can look at the top end in specific things. I can look at the middle. I can look at the bottom. I can create an avatar based on those things. Now, is it perfect for one person? Absolutely not. Is it going to do damage to a group of people? Nope. Is it going to help a group of people? Absolutely. It's more about um, trying to find a balance and just making sure that the program's going to fit everyone for the common goal of um, being stronger and living a healthier, more active life. We have to go through progressions and cycles throughout the year to allow progression year to year, well, month to, week to week, month to month, year to year, um, so that for us as, as a business, we're maintaining our current member base because they're constantly seeing results, and then we're sure that we're also servicing our brand new members by providing them with a challenging program that's also inclusive to them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the... Um, the inclusion of the diverse group really comes down to your coaching staff. If you have a good group of people that can 
um, look at the program that's written and there's communication from the person programming with the coaches that are coaching the classes in terms of the dose response that you're looking for, then they can change or adjust on the fly to make sure that that individual is getting what they need out of the program. I think that's 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 my take on the di- diverse yeah. group. I, we've got into my my theories around why I program the way I program for West London, so I don't really want to get into that. That's a past episode that you can scroll down and find, but yeah, that'd be the general rule for me. Yeah, I like that. I think I would have a lot of similarities to that, like coming at it from, like you said, like a little bit of a different perspective, like in terms of um, nutrition and health for individuals from that um, arena. Yeah. Um, but like you hit the nail on the head, like early on, um, kind of the individuality, like one, that's what makes it so fun in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. yes, it makes it challenging, but again, that's what makes it fun and yeah. rewarding. If it wasn't challenging, then I mean, there's a saying, if it wasn't challenging, everyone would do it. But for this mm-hmm. one, like if it wasn't so challenging, it wouldn't be so rewarding. Right. So that's yeah. why that's one of my favorite parts. Um, another thing I've kind of noticed myself doing maybe unintentionally is I'll, if I get a new client, it almost turns into like, it's like a case study for me almost. It's kind of like, how can I solve this individual mystery? Yeah. It's fun. Like it is fun. Yeah. If it's like, it's, if it's kind of like, so, I mean, I'll, I'll try and kind of give you an example of this. So, I mean, people will come with plenty of different goals in mind. Um, but that being said, one overwhelming goal with a lot of people is like a loss of like body weight or improved body composition. So again, that's not the only goal, but if I look at that individual goal specifically, um, the path that everyone has to take to get to that goal is going to look like a lot different. So like for instance, some people they'll come to me. I actually did a post on this today. They'll be at that time. They're restricting calories and they're increasing amount of exercise right but they're still not losing like belly fat exactly yeah. yeah so it's like post. oh well you know why doesn't that work that should work like right kind of laws of thermodynamics and cows in cows out and so on that should work so that's one example um i just want to give you like a couple of the different scenarios that will still kind of point towards the same goal so that's one example um there might be the person who doesn't work out at all. Um, maybe they're lucky to get one or two in per week. So most of their approach is going to have to come from like really kind of hammering down like stress and nutrition essentially. Um, maybe there's the other person who, um, you know, maybe they actually have like a, an actual like metabolic issue. Like maybe they have some, um, some serious like insulin resistance, like possibly some type 2 diabetes or on their way to type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have some thyroid issues. So this, these are just kind of like a few different examples of how the individual demands very, very different, but they may have like a similar end goal. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, this is what makes it fun. Um, so I've, I'll, you kind of turn it into like, and you said the same thing, like you have all these different variables, you have all these different characteristics, you have a few tests. So I like to use some different tests as well. Um, sometimes I'll get people to prick their finger, measure like AM glucose or AM ketones. 
Um, I have some different tests to assess um, like functions of stomach acid. So there's a simple test you can do at home with baking soda where you just kind of chug some down and whether or not you belch kind of determines how your stomach acid content is. Um, you know, just other simple things like do you wake up throughout the night? Do you have energy first thing in the morning? Because that can indicate your um, cortisol awakening response, it's called. Which, again, is just one of these things that should naturally happen. If that's off, then it suggests other underlying problems. Right. So... Yeah, that's the individuality. Definitely challenging, but um, I chose that for myself, and I actually prefer it that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. It's yeah. like you can come up with uh, all the templates you want. Exactly. Um, but that's not actually going to help yeah. people at the end of the day. And I'm sure a lot of times you do the exact same thing. Like every once in a while, you'll encounter a specific problem where – Maybe you don't, you feel personally that you don't know as much about it as you would like to. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of go on this like mini separate little journey where it's like maybe you, whatever, you read some different articles from people who are like where you want to eventually be. Right. Maybe you read some research papers. Maybe you actually like sometimes I'll like order a new book or whatever off Amazon. You Mm kind of do some digging for a little while and then come back to it. Yeah. And that's just part of like the reward, the challenge, and like that self-growth, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because it's important for a coach to only prescribe within their scope and what they fully understand, not what they kind of read once or half half get yeah right like you you can have that information in your back pocket and save it for a rainy day once you understand it a little bit more but you can't be communicating that to people right. before you know 100 percent whether or not that's something that you can back and like have integrity behind and or if it's just yeah. something that sounds cool yeah for that in that point in time and then if if i think i then look at trying to quote unquote program for like a broader audience I actually, personally, I actually, well, I, th- I think you said you do as well. Like, I find that more challenging than the, than the individual. Like, my personal problem is, if I think of something like the keto seminars, my problem is I try and throw absolutely everything in there mm-hmm. where it becomes too much, and I forget that, hey, you don't actually have to say everything, every possible scenario, every possible point. Like, it's yeah. okay to leave a few things out. Yeah. So that's definitely a problem I encounter. Yeah. With those like diverse group things, like this question is, really a big part of my process is just looking at it. It's like, is this going to do anyone harm? Yeah, I like that one. That's a, that's a big one for me. Um, and then also, is this going to help all levels in, improve their fitness, whatever that means for that individual? Yeah. Knowing that in a diverse group, not everyone's goal is going to be the same. Right. Um, especially from a fitness program standpoint, for me, like we've talked about before, I can't program for weight loss. I can't program for, um, body composition changes. That's, that's your end, right? That's the nutrition and the lifestyle and like that side of things. Um, because I can have a hundred people following the exact same program and have a hundred different results out of that program. Right. There's so many different variables, um, from a, what they're doing outside of that hour that they're spending at the gym that affect the the physical like body composition end of things um 
I just have to focus on the things that I can control, which is progression yeah. through fitness, like strength progressions and gymnastics progressions and conditioning. And uh, if I can check all those boxes and look at it and be like, you know, this this is going to help. This is going to help everyone. Then I can feel good about it. Um, the struggle, I think, for both of us is internally we know that an individualized program is better yeah. for everyone. So it's like this is a service that we're providing to a diverse group, but knowing that this isn't the like the bread and butter. This is yeah. uh, um, just the best we can do right. with with what we have. Which because uh, sometimes you need to make it general or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I just mean like so. For example, programming for group classes. Like you don't have a choice. You have to make it as not general, but inclusive. as include yeah as inclusive as possible to the to the masses. Right. So sometimes you don't always have that option. Yeah. And a big part of making something inclusive is the commu- is the, the language and the communication that the coaches are using to explain the program that's written, right? So yeah. um, for example, let's see. Mm. Well, even like kind of the rationale behind why you're doing the workout, I guess. Yeah. So let's, let's pick a, I like, I like the example of doing the conditioning before the heavy lift when you did that the one day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, how it's not proper practice, but it's something yeah. that they're probably going to encounter, encounter in the open. Yeah. So it's something that I have to have them prepared for. So the, the programming was like, it was a barbell cycling with bodyweight gymnastics conditioning in an AMRAP or in an EMOM. It was, yeah. it was busy. It was a busy 10 minutes. Were battling. They were tired, right? <laughs> and then, so we finished that 10-minute EMOM. You give them five minutes to warm up to a specific load for their front squat, and then they do sets of front squats. So, um, in my, so zooming out from that, what I program, I forget even what workout it was, maybe 16 point something. I don't know. It was like a, AMRAP with toes to bar, deadlifts and snatches, and then a max clean and jerk at the end. Or even, I think last year was a dumbbell yeah, it was. dumbbell squats, bar facing burpees, and then max clean at the end. Yeah. So I wouldn't program that for the group classes because I don't think that's going to benefit anyone in any way in terms of improving their fitness. It's a, it's a test, but it's not trainable. So I was like looking at that piece and how can I train people for this without having to do the test because that's that's not training that's testing that's a big differentiator that i think a lot of uh people that um are looking for a program should should look for like am i just testing every single day or am i actually training to get somewhere it's hard because tests are sexy sure are so if someone sees tests every single day they go "Ooh, Ooh, this program is is good (laughs) yeah um so I just did a, a little bit more controlled instead of an AMRAP, it was a controlled EMOM with rest built in. And then it was sets with rest for front squats. So it wasn't a very dynamic strength movement, but, and it was very slow tempo, but it gave people a feel of what a, I think it was 75% for the front squats, what a moderately heavy yeah. load at a slow tempo would feel like under fatigue. So it's just a dip, that's more of a training approach than a testing approach. Yeah. But again, it's like, uh, I have this diverse group of people that are training now for something common, which is the CrossFit Open, and everyone has different goals within the CrossFit Open, um, and I can't create that for them. That's entirely up to them, and they don't have to care about all the CrossFit stuff, too. I mean, that's we are, are a CrossFit affiliate, so yeah, it's going to be in there. You don't have to care, care about it, but the coaches have to be able to communicate 
the programming in a way that can help benefit everyone. So it's like uh, a muscle. It's like, well, I, I don't want to do a muscle-up. I, I have no aspirations of ever being able to do a muscle-up. Or handstand walking too, right? Like some people, I mean, they're they're in an even in an age category where in the CrossFit Open or in the games, they wouldn't even have handstand walks program because we know it's not the best practice for that and it's not really beneficial in any way. So explaining to that person how the scaled variations of that movement can help benefit them in terms of longevity and so like a muscle up a low bar muscle up or low ring muscle up this is going to help you um get, get out, of a pool. out of a pool um uh yeah i don't know hop a fence for <laughs> yeah. running from the, the, the cops the or police. something <laughs> um just, oh, i like that pool one though like yeah shit people do that every damn summer being able to sit Stuff up happens in a pool and around a pool people get hurt they right. need help quick yeah. fall off a boat gotta yeah. get back in exactly right like things like that um, postural strength um just body awareness and ability there's so many different ways to communicate it and if it's communicated properly then you can cater to a diverse group, but that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the language and the communication, yeah, which is a big thing. Yeah, I get. I like that. We can get into the next part of the question: the negative feedback thing. Oh yeah, sure. So let's. I'll I'll read the. I was just exact. gonna say like one point before I forget. When, yeah. Just to show the importance of like the communication there for that particular workout, I remember when I was coaching it. After that first imam, and then telling them. Like, hey, you have a few minutes and then we're going to start squatting. Like, people were kind of pissed in the first place. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. At first, like, this is BS. Why are we doing this? I thought we'd do the conditioning at the end. Right. And I just told them, like, hey, you're probably going to see this in the open. And then, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. And then they just didn't care. Like, yeah, they were. They saw the reason why and then they were good with it. Yeah, you're training for a test and you have to be exposed to lots of things so you're ready yeah. for whatever opportunity comes up, right? Like, you have to be... You have to be prepared for that. It's kind of we have this uh, twenty seven squat series that we do sometimes in the warm up, which is like your feet and legs in all different positions yeah. and squatting. People are like, why are we doing this? I've never squat like that. It's like no, but you're preparing end ranges for your ankles, knees, hips because yep. we're not only training back squats. We're training for like example today. It's really slippery, right? So you end up kind of slipping and having to catch yourself. Is your body prepared for those positions? Yeah. Because it's the un- unprepared positions or end ranges that result in injuries and. In some cases, yeah. not all the time. Obviously, there's acute injuries like you, you tear something, and it's like, well, that yeah, you don't really have a, cho- a and choice. And then even on like the competitive side of things, sometimes you're gonna catch a clean in a weird spot for whatever reason. Yeah, or just picture a sandbag yeah. clean. Yeah, sort of. You end it's up a little awkward. bit knees in, rolled forward, little little weird positions. But it's all about preparedness. Is yeah. is the idea? Um, the the d- exact question is. Uh, how does a coach feel when there is a negative pushback? Oh, I forgot about this part. Um, I'll, I'll straight up say that I don't perceive any of it as negative. Feedback is feedback. And if it didn't fit the mold for some reason for one individual, um, I, I take it not personally as like, an attack on me, but it's like a learning experience to be like, okay, well, what made that person feel that way? And do I have control over that situation? In most cases, the answer to that question is no. So I have to let it go. I don't really have a choice at that point where I'm going to stew about it all day long because I had 
uh, 50 people find success in something and one person get mad, it's like, I don't know what to do. I can't help that. I had, I had all the success in one negative. So it's like, how do we coach an individual and communicate with that individual to help bring them back and up and be like, okay, we're here for you. Sorry you're having a bad time or a bad day or this didn't really vibe with you, but like, let's, let's sort it out and let's move on. It's yeah. kind of my thing. It's, it's harder with a group. It's much easier with an individual program because they come to me and it's more of like, hey, why am I doing this? And I, boom, I can answer it on the spot. Problem solved. When I'm further removed from that individual doing the program, it's a little bit more difficult because I don't necessarily have my hand in it immediately. It's usually I'm hearing about this a few hours or days later. And by that point, the situation's already happened and everyone's already come to their own conclusions and then sorted it out in their own way anyway. So for me to even go in and involve myself in it is not even worth it at that point because they'll probably be like, well, I don't, I don't remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that because I would probably say about the exact same thing. I mean, like you said, just kind of have to take a step back and ask where is this actually coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it something that I can actually control and fix or address, or is it just you know emotions or whatever? So yeah, be like Chet. I don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. You're like, <laughs> then don't yeah. do it. I, well, I, I don't, don't even. I don't take that as like <laughs> negative feedback. Even I just yeah, <laughs> just like well, up to you. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can only do so much for that person. Yeah. It's like, um, you don't you don't program for feelings. Right, no. <laughs> It's tricky because yeah. when you're programming, whether it be a nutrition program or um, some sort of nutrition or lifestyle consult and plan or an actual fitness program that you're prescribing, one of the priorities is not client like happiness or like, you know, like, yeah, I yeah, know what I'm programming for and then I can, I can help that person find fulfillment by communicating with them. But that doesn't actually go into the program. Yeah. You know, that comes from so that's the ongoing support and just yeah. being like, no, okay, let me, let's sit down and like talk about it. Yeah. Let me explain what my intention is. And then if they still disagree, then it's like, okay, well, let's find something better for you then. Because you don't have to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, there's other ways to do and get similar yeah. results. It may not be the the best way, but it's a way and it is at least in line with that person's values and what they find fulfillment in, yeah. which is kind of... The yeah, that's game. what I was going to say. I think it's it's more of like a... It's like a side effect you hope to have, I guess, is like a... That relationship. Like a positive mood or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not actually like... Well, you don't, you don't make a decision to sub in or sub out um, a workout or a meal, a type of food, a supplement or whatever to make that individual happy. Right. So, yeah, but it's the communication that like, if you get an email from someone like asking a question or whatever, you're not replying, sorry, I'm too busy right now. I can't answer this. Like, right. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. So like you said, you already said though, like, it's just kind of like the support, you know, the positive feedback and then the programming. And those are kind of what caused the side effect of like the positive mood. Yeah. And more times than not, this, like, it's worded negative pushback. Again, I don't see it as negative. I just see it as feedback. It's not yeah. pushback at all. But if everything's in line and, like, the people that you're working with, so, for example, like, the coaching staff at Westland and CrossFit or for you, 
just yourself, like you're working with yourself and within your scope of practice, it's like, I can actually make changes now, yeah. right? Without this feedback, you just kind of feel like, ah, oh, I don't know, like nobody's really telling me what's going on, so I'll just keep yep. on keeping on. Yeah. Um, obviously reach out and just ask people how they're doing um, or check in with people in whatever way you do that. But it's like without that feedback, it's really, it's difficult to adjust your your plan and uh, make it better, right? Because the feedback, it, I don't really think it's ever coming from a negative place, like as a personal attack. It's like, yeah, it's feedback no. about um, just a bunch of numbers and letters on a piece of paper. It's like, I, it's I can good. deal with that. I can fix it. It's all good. Or not, or not, or just communicate with that person and be like, hey, you know what? Like, I appreciate what you're saying, but... I have the best intentions for you and what I have down on this piece of paper yeah. is truly what you need and let's let's figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Or you might look at it and be like, oh yeah, you know what, that, yeah, yeah, no, maybe there is something different that we can do. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So one more I think here. Someone asked about training when sick. Like, oh, actually, you know what the question was? It was, how did they word that? It was, um, how'd that go? Like, what about training when sick? And then it was like, is it the same idea as training when tired? Or oh yeah, I got it right here. You do? Yeah, working out while sick. Is it the same as working out with lack of sleep? Oh, okay. Um. No. Although I don't exactly know what they're getting at when they say lack of sleep. So that's kind of up for debate. If they mean, see, when I hear that, I'm wondering if they mean, so we talked a lot about like insulin resistance when you don't sleep, like it kind of creeps along that continuum and then you almost look like a type two diabetic for that one individual day. But then if you work out, it improves that insulin sensitivity and kind of moves you back down that continuum right so i'm assuming that's what they mean want to just create an extreme and say someone's averaging like four hours of sleep a night four to five hours yeah okay and then is it the same as training when sick yeah yeah um i'd say it's much different so like training when sick actually it first question is um well, like what kind of sickness, but let's just take like the, like the classic, you know, cold, like yeah, upper respiratory tract infection, whatever, like sore throat, cough, sinuses and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so something just affecting yeah. like, the respiratory system. Yeah. So you yeah. have to, Slimy. you, you actually have to consider like the type of work that you're doing because one could make it worse. The other could improve it. So strength type work, not your best bet. Um, lighter conditioning work, just getting your heart rate up a little bit, um, getting the blood flowing, better option. So the reason being is because people don't realize that your ability to adapt to like heavy strength training, heavy loads, heavy weight, that's mediated by your immune system. So your, cause you have this powerful inflammatory response um, after you break down muscle tissue, after you lift those heavy ass weights, your ability of your immune system to, um, 
generate those signals and then repair itself is ultimately how well you can build muscle and to some extent get stronger. So if your immune system is already compromised, it's focused on fighting this bacteria, fighting that pathogen, getting that out of there. It doesn't have the energy or the resources to deal with that extra inflammatory insult. So it's like, it's almost like, um, like you're combining like two insults at the same time, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like not that it's the same, but having a cold like that, that's an inflammatory insult. Exercise training, that's an inflammatory insult. So instead of having to just recover from that training session, it has to deal with the cold and try and recover from that other one. And you're just not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where it can actually could make things worse because if it diverts resources to recover from that training, then it's not going to recover from that cold as fast. Right. Um, so the reason that some light conditioning can, can help, um, a big reason is because it stimulates, um, the lymphatic system. So lymph fluid is responsible for going around your body and cleaning up like damaged proteins, bacteria, pathogens that could be around from that cold or sickness, takes them to lymph nodes, destroys them, gets rid of them. So, but lymph, it doesn't circulate on its own. You have to kind of give it that stimulus. And so one thing that stimulates movement of lymph is like light stretching, um, um, like jumping up and down. So like, this is why mini trampolines are so big nowadays because it actually stimulates that lymph fluid and Mm -hmm. that's why it can be so beneficial for overall health. Cause if you can get that first thing in the morning, um, so like some skipping would be good, maybe some double unders Mm -hmm. if it's not too crazy volume. And then just like some like simple conditioning where you're not like dying afterwards. It would be like, you know, whatever, like an 80% effort even or something like that. Yeah. Or lighter. Yeah, so Just, those are the those are the two kind of major um, differentiators. Yeah. And that all I can think of when you're saying that, and like people are like, "Oh, my nose is running. I don't want to jump because then I'm gonna have snot everywhere." It's like, well, <laughs> tough, right? Like, yeah, it's that's yeah, you're right. But blow your nose. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be fine. <laughs> uh, and I mean, that's talking about anything from like the respiratory like the lungs up if that's yeah. where you're experiencing your yeah. but your i symptoms. mean same thing goes for like a flu i mean you obvious i hope people well i'm sure some people do it like they get the flu and then they think oh i gotta go hit a pr back squat <laughs> yeah flu though yeah that's a different thing i mean flu i can't say for certain but so my guess would be absolute rest with something like that so the reason being is because a lot of the symptoms you experience when you're sick so like um like sometimes you have like a loss of appetite um you might be cold you might be super hot um what are some other ones like you actually feel like a little bit like a little bit depressed almost you don't want to interact with others so those all happen for a reason A lot of it is because, well, one, it's like a survival adaptation where um, you don't want to, for one, eat foods that could 
provide iron for your body, which would then exacerbate the sickness because a lot of uh, pathogens and bacteria, they feed off of iron. So if they get extra iron, that's going to worsen. So it's like a survival mechanism, like stay away from food. We don't mm-hmm. want to make it worse. Um, actually, with that one, there's another import, uh, super interesting thing I should mention. Depending on whether the infection is bacterial or viral, actually determines whether or not um, eating is beneficial or detrimental. So I forget which or which, but one of them, either the virus or the bacteria, feeds off of glucose or ketones. So ketones that you produce when fasting, while the other one feeds off the other. Mm. So what I mean by that is, depending on whether it's a bacterial or viral infection, again, I forget which is which. Um, having glucose, so like your cup of orange juice could actually make it worse because the pathogen will feed off of that. Whereas for the other example, um, having no glucose present, so not eating could, uh, make it worse because like it's the other way around. Like the immune system in that example needs the glucose to fight off the bacterial or viral infection. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And then where was I before that side tangent? I forget. Mm. Oh, right. So the, the symptoms that you feel are for a reason. Right, yeah. Um, there's a lot of cool theories on this. Like another one, if you don't want to hang out with other people, like that's for a reason because you don't want to spread that sickness to other people of your quote-unquote tribe. Right. So that's like so a survival mechanism. Yeah, so that's actually, there's actually changes in the brain that go on when you're sick that resemble um, clinical depression. Um. And then the big one is like the fever. So people think like, oh my God, I got to get rid of this fever. Like you don't want to do that. That's actually really, really dangerous. People can die from a simple cold if they prevent that fever. Cause that's for a reason. Like the fever facilitates the immune system getting rid of those uh, bacteria, those pathogens essentially. Right. And so that's, so one, the fever facilitates it. Two, that's another reason why all those other symptoms are there. Because for your body to jack up your temperature even by like one or two degrees to trigger that fever, that uses a piss pile of energy. So that you, that's using all the energy in your body. And so it can't afford to divert other energy to, for instance, like your gut to break down extra food. It can't divert energy to you know, whatever, like your muscles to go train and exercise. It can't divert energy to, um, just general mechanisms so that you can go chill and hang out with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a, like a look at kind of what actually goes on, like throughout the body, why you're actually feeling some of those symptoms that you feel like they're there for a reason. It's not like just because. Yeah. So like light movement will help a lot with a respiratory sort of infection. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're experiencing any sort of symptoms of like fever or uh, vomiting, diarrhea, like like those serious flu symptoms. You want to rest and sleep. Yeah. And somehow try to manage your hydration levels in some way. Like if you can get a water bottle beside you and just, even if it's just like a little tiny baby sip at a time, just because that will help you recover from your flu. Your body's going to do what it's going to do, right? You can pump as much 
cold and flu medicine into your body as possible, it's not going to make a difference. No. <laughs> you're, you're going to recover when you're going to recover. Yeah. All those medicines do is just cover up your symptoms, which you just talked about isn't something that's always the best idea. Yeah, you don't right? like that. Bringing your fever down or, or hiding symptoms that you can go and continue to go to work or something yeah. like that. Just stay home, man. Yeah. Let yourself recover a little bit. When your body's ready, it'll tell you because you won't have a fever anymore. You'll feel like yourself again. You'll get an appetite back. Like You have to let those things come on when yeah. your body's ready for them to come on instead of constantly trying to just mask and uh, use a Band-Aid system. Yeah. Yeah. There's another... I just thought of another kind of interesting study that raises some concern around sort of like nutrition norms, I guess we'll call them. Mm-hmm. So kind of this idea that you get sick, go slurp a big old cup of orange juice, get your yeah. vitamin C in you. And yeah. so there's, I, I don't know if this was a human study. It might've been rodents, but anyways, what they did was they fed whatever it was, the organism, um, a bunch of fructose, so which is what a bunch of fructose a bunch of sugar which is what you would find in orange juice and then it actually made like the illness the sickness like the bacterial um, infection worse because mm. it fed off of that sugar and so it just kind of goes to show like hey maybe that's not the best option of yeah boatload of sugar isn't gonna help yeah you and, might have just answered your own question there too i guess it's a bacteria that feed off the bacterial infection that feeds off the oh. glucose and viral that doesn't Maybe. I should know. Maybe. I can't remember. Not the, you guys can fact check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember. I should know because that was kind of like what my whole thesis was about. <laughs> that Well, that one, like this bacteria versus viral thing, that was just like something separate I stumbled on that mm. was like wicked cool. Um, But yeah, and then even like people think they're getting like the vitamin C, but... It's not that much vitamin C. Like if you eat a, a yellow bell pepper, you're going to get, I don't know, something like five or six times more vitamin C than you'd get from even like an orange. Right. Without the sugar. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny. Eh? It's like vitamin C, I need to have a sugary yeah. beverage or a, a piece of fruit. Or... Not, yeah. Not to mention a big bolus of sugar like that when it jacks up insulin, that's probably also going to cause like another mini yeah. inflammatory response, and you're just adding to the inflammatory load and insult at that point, and yeah. making things worse. You know, it was a big thing when I I got sick when I was a kid. It was like ginger ale and soda. Crackers. Oh yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta you gotta open up the pop and let it sit around for at least a couple hours and let it get flat. Yeah, first. it's gotta be flat, dude. You can't drink the fizz. It's gonna oh, upset man. your stomach. That's already upset. As if that's a problem. <laughs> have you ever heard of verner's no that was another thing it was it's a type of pop or soda i I guess uh yeah verner's (laughs) i always had that when i when i was sick and like my grandparents would take care of me it was always verner's what uh what flavors do they have like everything no that is that is it's kind of like a cola or a ginger ale or something it's like Verner's a big thing is like Verner's floats so you like pour it on top of vanilla ice cream it was a weird tasting oh, pop man. I can't really put my finger on what it was like but I feel like it was kind of I don't know almost ginger ale licorice kind of though yeah I don't know it sounds gross but it was delicious I'm gonna look it up after this but uh yeah definitely definitely didn't help the old stomach <laughs> as much as my grandma thought it was going to <laughs> oh man There's some good, good remedies out there I good tell you good stuff yeah Right on.
Yeah, so I mean, movement can be medicine, but at the same time, yeah. not not all the symptoms are going to be um, very accepting to you. Yes. Moving around. And also, if you're contagious, yeah, don't go to the stay. gym. <laughs> we don't want your shit all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, um, in terms of, like, timetable for returning, uh, you just got to listen to your body, really. If you're somebody who's yeah. training consistently, you're going to have that itch to get back anyway, so it's not going to be a huge deal. Yeah. Um, if you're somebody who uh, can a little bit more easily fall off, it's, like, not quite something that you really love yet. Um, mm-hmm. but, oh, dude, that reminds me of something that you were talking about before. I want to talk about that again because the, the people haven't heard it yet and it's wicked. Um, yeah, so people that don't don't quite enjoy training, it's more of a chore for them right now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you got to get back um, when you're ready. Call your friends. Talk to your friends. I'm sure they've been reaching out to you already. Um, and just try to get back as, as quickly as possible. Start slow though, right? Don't go from, don't go from being bedridden to running into your your CrossFit class, uh, class and doing full intensity, full pull. I mean, we've talked about mm-hmm. this kind of goes back to that returning after the holidays thing, right? It's like, you gotta, gotta be smart. Yep. Chet was telling me this thing in, uh, the last two times we tried to record this <laughs> podcast about, two times over. I mean, obviously Chet's big thing is, uh, the brain and everything that's involved in that. And I'm a huge fan of the placebo effect or the nocebo effect. Also, I think it's pretty incredible. Um, just the way that your thoughts and internal dialogue can really change yeah. your physical adaptations and all that stuff. So um, tell us the difference between – so you, you're reading a study that was had two different controls, one group that had negative talk about the gym as they were going. Yeah. And then one was super happy about yes. training. Yes, I – like we talked about this in the two previous podcasts and I'll tell you the exact same thing I said then. Like it's just gold. I, I, hear. I read it this one, this study, I read it one time. Normally when I come across a good study, I'll put it into like my database. It's called Zotero. You just kind of hit a tab top right corner of your Explorer saves that study. So then, you know, anytime you want to reference it, come back to it, reread it, whatever. It's just there. For some reason, I have no idea why it blows my mind. I didn't save this one, even though it was like one of the cooler studies I've come across. But now that I think about it, it's very possible that maybe I had it open and then my laptop just randomly shut off, which it often does. The gateway gateway let you down. Still holding up. (laughs) Had that for, uh, when did I get that? Like after, probably like after fifth year of high school debatably it's like that's a long ass time <laughs> yeah. ago like i've almost had that thing for 10 years yeah so i can't complain but anyways um yeah so they were looking at kind of the effects of um essentially like mindset going into training so the idea of being if you have more of like a positive association with something you're more likely to have um like a dopaminergic response to that. So dopamine neurotransmitter in our brain that is uh, rewarding, motivating, um, keeps you attentive. 
so if you find something enjoyable and you can focus on it for long periods of time, it's because dopamine is continually being released. So that's why people with ADHD are bouncing all over the place from task to task because they sit down and have a task and there's no dopamine release. So there's nothing to actually keep them um, attentive and focused on that one thing. Mm -hmm. And so without that reinforcement, they just kind of bounce around to different things. So that's what... That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's what um, ADHD meds do is essentially they like allow dopamine to be a little bit more active in the brain. Um, yeah, so they kind of connected this with, um, training. So again, because I lost it, I don't remember exactly what their methods were for this study. Cause obviously these are some pretty, like looking at neurotransmitter responses, something pretty in depth, but anyways, I remember the results summary of the study and it was essentially that people who have more of a positive association of like being active, working out, being in the gym. So people that are more like, Hey, like I'm like, I'm looking forward to this. Um, like I'm privileged to have this opportunity. I'm excited. Yada, yada, yada have better outcome, better results and adaptations from that actual training session compared to people who have more of a negative association with that. So maybe like, Oh my God, like I, I'm just going cause I have to, I'm just dragging my ass to the gym. I don't actually want to go, you know, I'm tired. I'd rather be watching Netflix and on and on. Right. So it's, and, and sorry, it was because of this, it's because of the effect of, um, like dopamine, that rewarding effect. So the reason we talked about this was, well, it just kind of shows you like, you can, whether or not you love training. So yeah, like Jesse and I are biased because it's obviously something we're passionate about and mm-hmm. we love. Like I can honestly say that I look forward to damn near every single workout that I have. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we were just saying like, we accept like not everyone um, feels that way, which is totally fine. Like that's how people are. Everyone's different. Like that's the same reason why maybe your kid doesn't like a particular sport. They don't like sports at all. Maybe they instead like reading art or whatever. Right. But like the takeaway was if you can kind of just like tweak your mindset around that, like just a little bit, then you might have an overall more positive experience with it. Not only like emotionally, but also in terms of like, um, like physiological response. So if you just instead go in there with the mindset, like, all right, like, you know, I want to be active. I want to, you know, maintain healthy lifestyle so that I can, you know, we talked about like, so that you can be like an active, healthy grandparent playing with your grandparents, whatever. Like if you just kind of reframe that into like a positive mindset, well, guess what? You're probably going to like change that neurological response in your brain as well. And then that's going to have a lot of positive, uh, consequences. Right. Yeah, you're creating an, an emotional attachment to it as well. If you think about um, just the privilege of being able to actually do that, I think it's just like it's a matter of perspective, really, is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So there's a group of people that, um, well, the one control group that went into it with the perspective of this is a chore, I have to do this, I, I'd rather do yeah. something else, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. Where the other group is like, I can actually do this, right? I have the the opportunities to do this. I have the, 
the physical health to do it, the emotional health to do it, the mental health to do it, the financial stability to be able to afford to be able to do this. There's so many positive things that you can look at. And this is a big thing in the last two podcasts we we tried that we that we lost. We kind of came. We always ended at this, and which is kind of timely because we're almost out of time <laughs> for this one too. But it was like um, a big change for me happened. I don't even know how long ago my grandpa had his stroke. It may have been may have been two years ago. This is a guy. I mean, um, was he overall healthy? No, because he had a stroke when he was in getting cancer surgery. So obviously his health wasn't top notch. If if you have cancer, that's obviously a very, very serious illness. Um, but he was active, right, and involved and he was able to move. And then he went in for his surgery and then in his recovery from surgery, ended up having a stroke and then lost his ability to do all of these physical things. So for me, when it's part of my routine, like I said earlier, like I have a very set routine of what I like to think about and how I like to do things before I start training. That's part of it. I was like, I'm able to do this. And I know, um, there's probably a kid my age in a situation that is physically unable to do this to the capacity or at all to how I'm able to do it. So it'd be completely selfish and it, and really disrespectful for me to not treat my body the way that it needs to be treated and express my physical abilities the way that to its highest level, right? Because there's people that actually can't do it and would die to be able to do it. So not meant to be a guilt trip, but also at the same time, you got to wake up a little bit sometimes and just look around and be like, holy shit, I can do so many things, right? I might not be able to do that, but I can do this and I can do more than that. And And like, if you just keep going through that cycle as you're doing things, Slowly but surely, that self-talk becomes more positive, more productive. And also, you're a lot better to be around. Because, like, I mean, for me, if if I'm at the gym and I'm training and I'm doing something and someone comes over to me complaining about something, it's like, okay, peace, I'm out. Right? Like, I got, I don't, I'm not here for that. Right? You can be whatever you want to be. Do your thing, but don't don't bring me into this. I'm, I'm over here having a, a fun fitness time, and that's all I want to do. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you got to do it. And we were talking about resolutions too. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, we were talking about how um, we didn't really get into resolutions too much because, I mean, for us, it's just a goal-setting process and it's whatever whatever you want it to be. But what we would like to see a little bit more of is that resolutions based on things like, what am I going to be able to do later instead of what do I want right now? Like, do I want... Do I really want to look like is losing two inches around my waist why I'm doing this or am I doing this so that I can go to the beach with my kids and feel confident or uh, play road hockey with my grandkids, right? Like because yeah. some of the best memories for me going back to my grandpa again is the fact that he was 60-ish when I was old enough to remember him at the earliest point in my life. And like he was always in the basement playing mini sticks with us. He was playing road hockey with us. He was riding the bikes. He was taking us hiking. He was going fishing. He was going golfing with us. And like those are the things that I remember about him because of his physical ability to do those things. And like for me, I want to be able to do that exact same thing for my grandkids eventually. I want to be yeah. the the fun grandpa that can go and do all this stuff with you. That's what's important. It's not two inches on your belly. Nobody cares about two inches on your be- belly, but people care about like your legacy as a person. That's what he's going to be remembered as. I'm not going to remember how big his biceps were. Yeah. You know? Love it. Yeah. 
Really wish those two episodes didn't disappear because, like, we both, I think we went into that pretty good in some good detail. And it was like, I mean, even I can say personally, like, I, I don't necessarily, like, express a lot of emotions. But that was definitely one thing where I felt like it was, it was kind of like kind of more emotions coming out like talking about something like that yeah like I just think it was a good conversation I wish you guys could have heard it but anyways because yeah I, I mean I totally agree like like think about like is this something that's always going to be there or is it just going to be like you get it and then all of a sudden it disappears so like another example we used was I mean like this is all the same but like you want a six-pack abs like like, like guess what like if you're young enough okay maybe that's attainable and you can get there but like when you're older, like 50, 60 years old, like mm-hmm. that's not even a realistic goal. Like right, it just right. goes away. Like you just physically can't, <clears throat> you, you just physically can't like attain, uh, like that musculature or whatever. So it's yeah. like, like what is going to be there? And that's what you just talked about. It's like, you know, being healthy, being able to be physically active, run around, play with kids, grandkids. So right. that's what I said too. Like whenever I, and I mean, I actually think about this like pretty regularly. It's like when I envision who I want to be, what I want to be in the future, it's like shit. Yeah. Like I want to be that, I want to be that grandpa who's like 65, 70 years old. Yeah. Who's still doing ridiculous shit. Like yeah. maybe doing a wad with their like 15 year old grandson or yeah. whatever. Like doing I mean, front flips so cool. into the pool. Yeah. Right. Like, Cause uh, I mean, how often do you, you'll have a conversation with someone and maybe they'll bring up, they'll bring up something about like, um, a grandparent, whatever. And then they'll just say like, you know, like my grandparent did this and so and so. And if it's like something like, if it's kind of like a, a crazy out of the norm feat, like, Hey, like my grandpa just did like a triathlon or something. He's 70, 72 years old. Like no one ever says anything bad whatsoever right. about that. Like the right. only reaction about that ever is like, like amazement and like people are pumped and happy and like they're like wow like that's super cool like that's incredible and like right like that's what I want to be I want to that's what I work towards long term that's who I want to be how I want to be mm-hmm. so you just kind of you know take a few steps back take that you know um thousand foot view whatever you want to call right. it yeah assume just kind of look at like possible. yeah look at like that look at the big picture like things that are going to be there long term right like you said yeah yeah, perspective is is huge, and I mean we've talked about just the effect that that can have on your actual on your results too, right? Like you totally, yeah, it's a real thing. Cool. I think I think we finally put a podcast together that's I not going to so. get deleted. So. so that's that's a bonus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean just just have fun, guys. Yeah, right. That's all we're here for. It all doesn't really matter that much at the end of the day, as long as you're having a good time yeah. doing it. And happy 2019. Yeah. Officially. Yeah. All right. Peace.